This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best of your sports talk. For Friday, February the 15th, I'm your host, D.A. The story of the day is in New Orleans. Anthony Davis. Last night, A.D. goes up for a block, fouls Nerland's Noel, comes down injured, goes in for the MRI. The MRI turns out that it's not too bad, just a muscle contusion, But Anthony Davis decides to leave the arena. He and his agent, Rich Paul, AWOL, Gonzo, Alvin Gentry, the head coach after the game, said that it's been a dumpster fire. The saga around whether or not they would trade AD. Today, general manager Del Demps fired by the Pelicans. We know AD wants out, but how bad of a look is it to up and leave in the middle of the game? Here's the last lap with Seth Dunlap on WWL in New Orleans. So Anthony Davis doesn't play in the second half. Reports are he has a shoulder issue. The thing is, he's had a shoulder issue for about five, six years. Tore a labrum in 2013. He's been playing with that. It's popped up now and again. And if he, like I said before, he's feeling any pain. I don't have a problem with either him taking himself out and certainly don't have a problem with the organization taking himself out. I do have a problem with what happened next. Anthony Davis took his ball and went home, literally. He left the arena. He was seen by the cameras, by TNT, walking out of the Smoothie King Center with Rich Paul, his agent. I I don't understand a lot about this saga. How can the NBA force the Pelicans to play this guy and then you allow him to walk out of the arena on his teammates? This is the ultimate shade, folks. This is the ultimate disrespect for your teammates. Period. End of story. You ask anybody who's played at that level. Heck, you ask anybody who's played at any level of any sport. If your teammate gets up and leaves and walks out of the building while you're still playing, regardless of any kind of minor injury he's dealing with, that certainly, to be frank here, it doesn't look like it's a very big deal. That is absurd. It's wrong. It's disrespectful. It's shady. And I'm just wondering here, Tim Zimmer, our producer, I got a question for you. Have we been duped for seven years by Anthony Davis Is Anthony Davis actually a bad guy? Is he a bad dude? Have we been fooled for seven years here? Because good guys don't do this. I feel a lot of empathy for Alvin Gentry in this situation. Really do. I don't know what he's supposed to say in this. 
The Pelicans front office isn't saying squat. They're hanging him out to dry, proverbially. You want conduct detrimental to the team? You want something to stand on now? Pelicans, Mickey Loomis, Dell Demps, whatever power he still has, Gail Benson, Dennis Lauscha, Alvin Gentry. You want to go back to the NBA and say, this is the reason that we cannot play this guy? Here it is. Here it is. He left the Smoothie King Center mid-game. This isn't some kind of catastrophic, you got to go to the hospital injury. It's a, it's a minor shoulder tweak. He was casually strolling out of the arena with Rich Paul right in front of him. I'm over it. I hope that is the last time that we see this guy in that building in a Pelicans uniform. Good freaking riddance. It's funny. I don't think many people blame Anthony Davis for wanting to be part of a winner. I don't think many people blame Anthony Davis for being a terrible teammate before today. I think mostly everybody understands, hey, they are wasting his prime and he wants to be with a winner. But in one fell swoop, you erode all of that good love and good attention that you get from the fans of the media if you quit in the middle of a game and leave the arena. I know it's toxic. I know it's terrible. But this is the easiest way for the public to turn on you. Rich Paul, his agent, is giving him some really bad advice right now. Just smile, grin, and bear it through this mess, and you'll earn a lot more stripes and a lot more cred than if you quit on a team midway through a game. Good freaking riddance. It's the NBA All-Star Weekend, and so we'll get to see the high-flying acts of the slam dunk contest and the three-point contest of the All-Star game. But how about the next crew to be NBA stars? Of course, is the team's that are already done for the year, essentially. Look forward to the NBA lottery and the draft. One name keeps popping up. That's, of course, Duke superstar Zion Williamson. How does TNT analyst Kenny Smith project Zion in the league? Here's Kenny on the Mac Attack. 102.5, the fan in Charlotte. What do you think? I hate to do this. My, my producer crossed the ways in Duke gear today. And I hate to ask you about a Blue Devil player, but I got to make an exception. Normally, I wouldn't, Kenny, but I got to make an exception for Zion Williamson. Finally, some attention for Zion. Thank uh, yeah, you. Yeah, you've been starved for it. What do you, when you watch his game, and I know you're watching a ton of NBA and working, but like, do you look at him and feel like he's a superstar in the NBA? He's a perennial all-star. What's your gauge on what type of player he translates into at the next level? Because well, I, I never, I never do that honestly. That's okay. Never, that's never my um, style. My style is he's a. Um, a, a transcend a transcending college basketball player. Yeah. In the last ten years, we probably haven't seen a a, a, a a college athlete with his ability. We haven't. The last one I can remember is probably Blake, uh, Blake, Blake Griffin, who that kind of impact just on a physicality standpoint and be able to do things early in his career. Uh, but going into the NBA, you have to carve out different things that don't work in college. There are ways that you score in the NBA. There's defense, defenses that you do in, in the NBA that does not work in college basketball. So once we he, we recognize that for him, and he recognizes it rather, that would be like Charles Barkley was a better pro than he was a better college basketball player because he carved out a, an area on the floor in the, uh, in the pro basketball that many didn't see he could do 
from watching him play in college. And, and, and Zion will be the same way. But in college, we haven't seen anything like him within 10 years, without question. I want to ask you about a championship that got away. I want to know how you truly feel about this, Kenny. I, we talk to Tar Heel fans all the time this time of year. And one thing that so many of them believe is if Kenny was totally healthy and did not have that injury in 1984, that that team was definitely going to win the championship. In your heart, do you feel that way? Oh, without question. I think we yeah. could have probably gone undefeated. Um, our closest game was, like, I think the number three team in the nation was 21 points. So, before the injury. And it's not because I was so good. I just was able to keep everyone in their natural position. Yeah. So, you know, Michael Jordan didn't have to worry about ball handling duties and help in the backcourt. I could just bring the ball up against 99.9% of the guards in America. Yeah. So I could get everyone in the ball. Sam Perkins didn't have to, you know, take two dribbles on the outlet to get it fine to the point guard. I just kept everyone in their natural position so Michael was could be Michael, you know, and Sam could be Sam. Brad Doherty could be Brad Doherty. You're talking about four guys that were, you know, lottery picks on one team and along with a great senior and Matt Doherty. So, and then, oh, by the way, we had two guys coming off the bench that were drafted in the first round as well with <laughs> Joe Wolf and Dave Boston. So just a plethora of guys that were there. I just thought we were – too talented, too good. And I just kept everyone in that natural position and you didn't have to worry about doing anything else. And so that was the difference. And I, uh, that took a little bit away from me. We've heard comparisons to a young Barkley, comparisons to a young Larry Johnson, comparisons to all-time greats, Hall of Famers, or perennial All-Stars. I find it hard to believe that Zion Williamson is not going to end up being a huge difference maker in the NBA and a would-be star at that size, how explosive he is, how he has dominated this year in college basketball and maybe surpassed expectations and expectations were already crazy high. Zion's going to be a star, whoever gets him with that number one pick overall. He's a um, transcending college basketball player. In the last 10 years, we probably haven't seen a, a college athlete with his ability. Basketball right now is healthy. The NFL is obviously also a potential juggernaut every single year for cultural relevance and superiority. But is it possible that the one weakness of the NFL happens at the commissioner level? The one part of the NFL I think everybody agrees on is Roger Goodell is an unpopular face of the league. And so the reports surfaced that Recently, the NFL has reached out to NBA commissioner Adam Silver to gauge his interest in perhaps switching leagues. Here's Mike Florio, pro football talk on the Joe Rose Show for 560 QAM in Miami. Hey, Mike, uh, last night I see everybody having a little fun with the Adam Silver, Roger Goodell stuff. And do you believe a couple NFL owners checked in with Adam Silver to see if he might be interested knowing Roger Goodell's got a lot of money under contract coming over the next few years. Well, think about when this all first came up. It was 2017 when Jerry Jones was essentially trying to unleash who on Roger Goodell. So they had to have a plan B lined up, and I think that Adam Silver would have been one of the potentially obvious candidates. You know, one of the things the NFL has to decide post-Roger Goodell, because I don't think they're going to fire him. He's going to be there right. as long as this contract's in place, and he may have another con- contract in and beyond this, but is this a job where you get someone who, you know, has grown up in sports, someone who has worked in sports leagues, 
Or are you now, when you hire a commissioner, hiring someone who is basically a CEO? And, you know, in the CEO industry, you'll have somebody who ran a steel company and then ran a soda company and then ran a newspaper conglomerate. And, 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 you know, there's a skill set that is transferable from the executive level. And I think the NFL is nervous about having a commissioner who isn't a football person. But at some point, I think the business is so big and the challenges that you face are so diverse. And if you have someone who is skilled in delegating and quickly understanding the, the business issues that drive that specific company, I, I think the NFL needs to be thinking about those directions and moving in that way. And, and that's going to be the real challenge next time. Because look at the league office right now. Look around. Who, who would be the replacement for Roger Goodell if oh. he was retire, retired today? No one. Right? Yeah. So, so they need to be thinking about this model where they find a top CEO, pay that person a lot of money, and, and let that CEO use his or her skills um, that, that have been developed as, as a CEO in other businesses. I don't think you have to be nervous of Adam Silver being a non-football guy. Silver running a league, clearly doing it very well has proven he's smart enough to admit what he doesn't know. And he's smart enough to have really good relationships with players, labor, and the media that covers him, and the owners that he is working for, and the fan that he needs his customers. He's just shown that he is very versatile in that, so I wouldn't worry too much. Also remember, you have Gary Bettman, and people might crucify Gary Bettman, but Bettman was an NBA guy under David Stern, who ended up leaving to run the NHL. It's not like guys who have had backgrounds in different sports couldn't move on to run new sports in different leagues. I don't think worrying about Silver as a basketball guy should be a real concern for the NFL. Reports also surfaced that Colin Kaepernick possibly asked for $20 million to play in the Alliance of American Football, which obviously is not going to happen because the Alliance has very small salary structures, three-year deals worth $250,000. So what do you think? Can we believe this report? Here's Mad Radio, 610 Sports Radio in Houston. We have a report this morning from the Associated Press that Colin Kaepernick asked for $20 million to play in the Alliance of American Football. What is your guys' major takeaway from this report? My major takeaway, honestly, the boring one was that, well... Everybody makes the same amount of money in the AAF. They all make a three-year, $750,000 contract. So my... my 250000 isn't it? What's that? What did I say? 750000 Son of a... Started off rough How already. dare he ask for $20 million? <laughs> it's, Son uh, of a bitch. Three years, uh, years $250,000 is the standard contract. My first thought, honestly, was, is this report accurate? I like I I wanna I want to I want to crush one side or the other on this, but I don't know if the report's accurate. My other report was this, or my other thought was this, um, and and I think immediately a lot of people said, "Hey, Kaepernick, if he wants to get back in the NFL, why is he not playing in the AAF for whatever the standard fee is?" Uh, my my immediate response to that, and to answer your question finally, Mike, is that frankly, Colin Kaepernick isn't out of the NFL because of playing ability. He's out of the NFL for other reasons. Um, so for him to kind of kowtow to the league and try to scratch and claw his way back into the NFL by playing in the AAF, 
frankly, is like, is beneath him. The guy's made $43 million in his career. I'm guessing he saved a good chunk of that somewhere along the way. He doesn't have to say, oh, please, sir, please look at me playing football in double-A football. I'm, uh, I'm finally, I'm finally, I'm the football player you thought I might be. Like, he's not playing in the NFL as a backup because either A, well, one, because NFL owners simply just don't want the headache and they don't want the ticket sales decrease and all that. Um, and then two, I don't know the exact demands he's had in terms of contract. I don't know if if part of it has been perhaps that maybe Seattle was willing to talk to him, but they didn't offer him nearly enough money in preliminary discussions. We simply don't know that part of it. So I like I, I hesitate to say the only reason is that teams flat out don't want him. Other teams have kind of put feelers out there. We don't know what his contract demands have been there. But as far as Colin Kaepernick playing in the AAF as a means of proving that he definitely wants to be back in football, that's just garbage because it's not he's not Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel needs to play in the CFL or in the AAF or the XFL to because prove that he's actually capable of keeping it together. He has no body of work right. on Tim, the field. If Tim Tebow, like Tim Tebow has failed repeatedly in the NFL, he would have to prove if he genuinely wanted to get back in football that he's improving his skills somewhat, and this would be the only way to do it. Colin Kaepernick, it's not for his play on the field that he's not a backup, at least in the NFL. Totally agreed. I think that it does not do Kaepernick any service to play football again. If he's all about the platform, why would he play in the AAF? Why would he play in the NFL? Because him being blackballed, either actually blackballed or of his own volition is good for that movement. Yeah. It is. I mean, he's an outlaw or he's know. a renegade or he is in the in the eyes of others, he is a guy who is pushing forward for social justice. I, I don't think him being on a football field again is going to help him because I really, I strongly feel this. After two weeks, no one's going to care because guess what? He's a backup quarterback. Yeah. You know, if he were to come I, back I to the NFL would, though. You know or why? the AAF, why? Because Trump would say something about it. It's hard to say what's real here. I mean, if Colin Kaepernick asked for $20 million from the Alliance, he had to know that there's no way they were going to pay that. And so maybe he asks for that, knowing that they would say no. But also, why would it even be really realistic for him or his representatives to ask for any money in the AAF if they're trying to get back into the NFL? The Alliance, as the guys just mentioned, is not a place for former NFL stars. It's a place for would-be NFL players. So I'm not quite certain I believe the report that Kaepernick or his agent asked for that much money, knowing that there's no way they were going to get it from the Alliance. Here's a great way to head into a weekend. How about former WWF, WWE star, Sergeant Slaughter, who joined Boomer and Geo on WFAN in New York and tells a really interesting story about his heel turn in the early 90s and the fallout from that. Sarge, good morning. Thanks for being here. We are honored by your presence. Attend, hut, rise and shine, maggots. You're listening to the Boomer, Geo, and the Sarge. Listen up. Oh, man, this is going to be great. This is going to be absolutely great. Yeah. This is tremendous. Yeah. You know, Sarge, I go way back with you, man. I go way back to the flying Brian Pillman days in oh, Cincinnati. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, saw you in person many times. Have you ever figured out how many matches have you actually had in your life, in your career? I never have really uh, looked back at it. I'd say an average of about 250 a year, give or take a few. For about 20, 30 years? Uh, uh, I, I, 
Went for about uh, 43 years. Wow. <laughs> now, I know uh, Boomer has never been able to forgive your heel turn in the oh, early 90s. With the Iron Sheik. <laughs> hey, I don't know what the hell was wrong. Yeah. What were you rough. thinking about? <laughs> uh, that was uh, that was something uh, I just uh, left uh, right before WrestleMania 1. Vince wasn't real happy about that. I uh, got an offer from uh, Hasbro to be in G.I. Joe, first living G.I. Joe character. And so I told him about it. I thought he'd be real happy. He would have a, you know, a different toy company. And he said, gee, Sarge, we just signed with LJN. And I can't really let you to do both. He said, but do what, do what you want. And he, of course, he thought I'd stay with him. So I finally told him I was going to uh, G.I. Joe. And he didn't like that too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have vivid memories of this. I was only about 9 or 10 years old. All right, yeah. And this was WrestleMania 7. And I remember my parents taking me out to a restaurant bar where WrestleMania was on. I wanted to watch. And at the door, they were handing out toilet paper with Saddam Hussein's face on it. Yeah. And we were all rooting for Hogan to kick yeah. your ass. I mean, yeah. that's what I remember yeah. as, as a 9 or 10-year-old. I did and, my job. Yeah. <laughs> you got so paid this, to do a job and you did it. Right, no right, exactly. Now, yeah. there, there was fallout from this, though. There was oh, no there doubt. Was, I mean, people really, really were angry about that. Uh, Vince McMahon had called me up after about six years of hiatus from WWE. And he's uh, just got out of WrestleMania six and was going to do WrestleMania seven, so he's already looking at his main event. And he said, "Are you ready to go back to work?" I said, "Yeah, I'm ready." He says, "Come on to my house and we'll, I'll show you what I got in mind." So I figured he's going to take Sergeant Slaughter, GI Joe, the real American hero, and make him the real, real, real American hero. Yeah. So I got to his house. He had this layout of uh, L.A. Coliseum, 104,000 seats, and and he says, "I want you and Hogan to be the main event." I said, okay, how are we going to make Hulk Hogan the, the villain? He goes, <laughs> Hulk Hogan? No, he's not going to be the villain. You're going to be the villain. I said, well, how are we going to do that? So he started laying out the uh, Iraqi sympathizer, and and uh, you think the uh, America's gotten weak and, and a little uh, country like uh, Iraq uh, taking over Kuwait and running the world, and you're, you're back, and you're not happy. I said, okay. I said, well, go home and talk to your family about it because it could be a little rough. And it was. So I, it was I, more I, than a little rough. I, I mean, but was right. it? But was it financially benef- beneficial? Oh, it was beneficial. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. you, got, you got what you got. But I remember that too, because I was like, man, I can't believe you just did this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. You know, well, we had we had bomb threats, death threats uh, every Jeez. every night. I came home from uh, uh, back to Philadelphia uh, after winning the uh, title from the Ultimate Warrior in Miami at a Royal Rumble, and. Uh, uh, one of the backstage hands said, have you talked to uh, your, your wife today? And I said, no. You have you talked to Vince McMahon? No. We didn't have cell phones. So I get on the phone. My wife uh, answering machine, call Vince. Oh, yeah, Vince, uh, Sarge, uh, I just uh, talked to your wife. Uh, I sent her to, uh, to a hotel. I said, what happened? She, he said, well, somebody called up the wrestling office this morning and said they're going to kill you and kill me and kill our families. Wow. Blow up our houses, our cars, and what was that like for you during that time? I mean, did you take it seriously? They're really, yeah, really I took bo- it pretty serious. Yeah. And then again, I, I, I thought, well, I guess I did my job right, you know. Yeah, sure, but I mean, that can't feel good, right? No. I mean, so you're doing your job. You right. know that you're headlining WrestleMania, which right. is the top of the top of your business. But right. now you have to deal with the fallout. Oh yeah, it was rough. So how? Wherever yeah, I went, right. So I did went. you regret it? Uh, uh, no, I never really, really. regret yeah, the only time I had a problem with is they wanted me to burn the American flag, and I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't do that. So right. uh, I gave them a better idea. I thought, 
put the Hulk Hogan shirt on a on a flight pole and I'll burn that. Say it's Americana, you know. Right. So that's what we did, and I think that got the the right type of uh, heat, as we say in our business. Man, there's a lot of amazing stuff right there. Number one, Sergeant Slaughter yelling, rise and shine, maggots, is just about the best drop in sports radio. Attend, hut! Rise and shine, maggots! Number two, who knew that it got that serious? I mean, this is a wrestling character turning to another fake wrestling character in the Iron Sheik, and he started getting death threats because of it. I mean, let's settle down here. You can't tell that this is all an act. Don't we all know that wrestling is an act? Don't we all know that they're following a script? Even the most hardcore, belligerent wrestling fans have to realize that these guys are just actors. No? We're throwing death threats at actors now for the roles that they're playing? (sighs) Yikes. That's an amazing story from Sergeant Slaughter. And finally, the Boston Red Sox are fleshing out their radio broadcast team with a number of very popular broadcasters and play-by-play voices, and that would include Chris Berman, the ESPN star. And so the guys on WEEI in Boston, Dale and Keefe, Dale Arnold and Rich Keefe, had Berman on to discuss some of the nicknames he might use in calling Red Sox games. And he also admits what he considers the goat of Berman nickname. What about something like, hey, Xander, don't call me Humphrey Bogarts. You like obvious. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. He, I'm just, I'm just I'm spit, I'm spitballing here. If yeah. it's going to be obvious, yeah. some of them are, can't be long. The long ones are reserved right. for, I really have nothing. <laughs> you know, but, so let me throw this out. Yeah. Like, out. I, this has nothing to do with the Red Sox, but and I got to know um, Patrick Mahomes this year. I said, you know, I knew your dad, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I said he had two nicknames. You know, Mahomes is where my heart is. Or uh, Grand Funk Railroad, who we didn't know. Um, getting closer to Mahomes. I said, do you want me to throw one of those in for you? He goes, I like Mahomes is where my heart is. That's so, good. Uh, I don't think so. you're going to be able to top uh, Rob My Baronis. I don't think you're going to be able to top that one. <laughs> that was well, good. Or, or, of course, the Burt B. Home Bly Levin. <laughs> no, that's, no, that is the because you didn't have to know he threw a curveball or was a pitcher or mm-hmm. we played for. You knew as a kid you heard it, and as a parent you said it. And... So, I mean, I mean, look, now this is not the official. You, you put me on the spot. No, I know. Yeah. Mookie, you better, you better, you bet. Oh, that's I love right. it. I know it. That's, that's a good one. I love Roger it. Roger Daltrey. Like somebody 25 will go, what are you talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or legalized bets? That would be more bringing it up to date. I don't know. Uh, ben Intendi would be some work. Yeah. Um, Bradley, I mean, you, you don't want to really go Omar. That's a layup of the yeah. general. I, it, look, again, I'm not Devers. Right. Uh, Tinkers to Devers to Chance. Oh. That would be a baseball yes. nickname, you know, of, of 100 years old. I Again, I'm not coming prepared. I mean, you have, you have plenty of time. have been sale of the century. That's not I like the, that. The, the, yeah, but that's these are just. Right. Right. We're just scratching. This is like a lottery card. You're scratching, <laughs> and they have to be organic. You can't. Yeah. Uh, you can't force the issue. No. 
No, and it's got to be the best ones are one that everybody gets, whether they, you know, so every now and then you, you, you get one that's indigenous to the area, and that that is when you don't mind going long. Yep. Like when Carlos Bayerga came over at the end of his really good career with Cleveland to Boston, right? So he was one if by land, two if by sea, three if by Erga. Oh, that's perfect. I thought that was a very good Boston local there you go. nickname, albeit long, you know. How about Tyler Every Rose has a Thornburg? Sorry, no, now we're we're now How about that? That's not bad. He's been Maybe try that one. That's now, not a bad one. He could be closing you, games. Once you chew on it. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. See? Yeah. But but you don't want to chew too long. Then you bear down right. and you come back to it. Right? Good 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 idea. Good idea. I'll do this. No, it, it there's look, there's I mean, and Alex had one when he played. See, Joey, his brother, was Albacora. But I'm I'm trying to think of, of what mm. Alex, I don't know that Apple, eh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, It's a work in progress. <laughs> You're all around yeah. it, I think. Cora, yeah. Now, that's something you can. Right. You can certainly piece Cora. I mean, there's lots of ways <laughs> to go. <laughs> Bert B. Home Bly Levin. Bert B. Home Bly Levin. (laughs) There you have it. Straight from Berman, the goat of nicknames. Bert B. Home Bly Levin. Oh, Chris Berman on Red Sox Radio is going to be a glorious disaster. Mookie, you better, you better, you bet. Legalized bet. Tinkers to Devers to Chance. And I can't wait to play those clips every single week right here on Around the Dial. That's the best in your sports talk for Friday, February the 15th. I'm your host, DA. We'll see you Monday, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 